Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my dear friend and colleague, Jason Oakland, and hopefully soon to be joined by our dear friend and colleague, Michael Berg, who is at the moment busy with uh, adult responsibilities. But we have this slot set aside each week this semester to record, and we're going to use it. And so we're going to go ahead and start without Michael. We're going to be continuing today in our anthropology series um, as we continue to look at the early chapters of Genesis. We hope to make it through the Tower of Babel, so we're, we're getting close to the end if you've grown tired of this series. Um, we are getting close to the end, uh, but we'll be picking up now with Genesis 9. There's been the flood. Noah is now off the ark. Um, what's going on? with anthropology, our relationship as human beings with each other, with God, and with creation. Um, we are a part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. encourage you to go to 1517.org and check out a lot of the good stuff they have there. You can go to the publishing house. Uh, there are a number of books uh, by myself and by Michael that you can check out there. Uh, my latest uh named after the podcast, written for one of my courses based on the theology we do here on the podcast, Let the Bird Fly, um, Michael's vocation book, and soon uh, available not for pre-order, but soon to be released, his worship book on any given Sunday. We also, you're going to have to get used to this. Jason and I are going to be plugging something uh, for the foreseeable future, so this is going to become part of the stuff we say at the beginning of each podcast episode, and that is Jason and I are going to be leading an 11-day Germany tour uh, entitled Experience the Cradle of the Reformation that is going to be in spring of 2024 from May 13th to May 23rd. Um, We're going to be departing from Chicago, but if you're coming from elsewhere, there are arrangements that can be made with the help of the tour group Imagine. Um, We're hoping to have a number of people uh, coming along who are podcast listeners, friends of the podcast. Um, Also, maybe people connected here uh, to Wisconsin Lutheran College. The college has been kind enough to help us promote it. Uh, And also, uh, if there's people from area churches who find out about it and would like to go. Uh, Jason and I have been to Germany a number of times, once together. Um, we've done the Lutherlands. Uh, Jason has led several of these types of trips. I have mostly done the uh, let's go dirt cheap, stay <laughs> in hostels, only eat donors, um, <laughs> and take the cheapest train or bus available. But this will be a trip where we have a bus for the whole group. Um, hotels are included, and we made sure these are good hotels and good locations. Yep. All your meals except for lunches and maybe a dinner or two and souvenirs. Um, but admissions to stuff, all that is included and is wrapped up in the price. Um, if you sign up by May 13th of 2023, you get a discount, different discount if you sign up by July 13th and then September 13th. But if you go to letthebirdfly.com, which is our podcast webpage, you'll see Germany Trip is one of the tabs in the menu. Uh, go there and you will see all about where we'll be going. But just to, to real quick hit some places, Rudersheim, Mainz, Forms, Heidelberg, Nuremberg, Coburg, Erfurt, Jena, Buchenwald, Dresden, Wittenberg, 
Berlin. Um, and so you're going to go to good amount, uh, a lot of Luther history, if you're interested in Luther or Lutheranism. Yes. Uh, but you'll get a good sense for Germany as well, uh, for German history. Uh, both of us teach uh, church history courses here at the college. I teach the Luther course, Lutheran Confessions. Jason will be teaching those as well. He teaches history of Christianity. I teach history of Reformations. I also teach uh, on modern Europe. My minor field for my PhD was modern Europe, specifically modern Germany. We're not going to make you nerd out the whole time. Nope. But if you want to nerd out, we will be available to nerd out with, and I think this will be an enjoyable trip, good locations. The hotels, as I said, they're nice places to wander. The, meal, um, the meals that they provide are, are really good. I mean, they're, they're quality. Uh, yeah, and if you don't want to talk to Jason, you do not have to talk to no, Jason. No, I make that don't. promise to you. <laughs> um, you I will tell him. the opposite end of the bus. Yep, you can stay away. Um, if you need strategies for that, I'm very good <laughs> at it, and I will let you know, but that will be May uh, 13th through 23rd, 2024, 11-day Germany tour. Experience the cradle of the Reformation. Go to letthebirdfly.com, click on Germany trip, and you will get all the information you need there. If you know someone who might be interested, please let them know as well. Um, as I mentioned, we'll be continuing in our anthropology series. We are now in Holy Week, um, and Holy Week is a good time to consider anthropology, why is Jesus coming? Well, he's coming because of the situation that we, as the human fit race, have found ourselves in um, by our own doing. Uh, mm -hmm. He comes to a people who uh, are lost in sin um, and in need of salvation. And so we will be uh, looking at this kind of new birth Noah and his family get as they emerge from the ark. Um, Mike has spoken a couple times now about how this is... Uh, this represents baptism, as Peter explains. Right. And so now we have this new life, too, through the waters of baptism and through Christ's resurrection. Uh, but we're going to have to talk about some sin stuff yes. as well. And so with that warning, um, we will give you one further warning. Jason is going to give the disclaimer a go. Since Michael is not here, Jason, why don't you go ahead and give us that. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers, to be honest. Much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. You find yourself getting too worked up. Tune out, look around, and realize you are just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. us to our main topic and we will be discussing once again today Genesis 9 and anthropology as we continue that series and so let us hear the word of the Lord and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hand they are delivered Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you, and as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything 
You shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood I will require a a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply, teem on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth I establish my covenant with you, that never again, excuse me, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The word of the Lord I'm hoping we make it a little further into, or farther into chapter 9 as well, but I think that's far enough for now. Jason, uh, Michael has made his way in. He's getting his microphone on, and so we, we greet you fraternally um, <laughs> as friends and colleagues, Michael. But I'll throw it to you first, Jason. <clears throat> what, um, what stands out to you from what we've, we've just read? Yeah, I think, um, again, the repeating of the promise, um, and that's... I think something that uh, you stand that we see standing out throughout the account of the of the flood, with as much sin and destruction that's there, the the repeating of the promise and and adding to the promise. I think in in a number of ways, I think we definitely see that here coming out of the flood. Um, and the other thing I think that is really interesting is um, the kind of the the shift of sorts that we see in. Um, starting at verse four there and um, kind of you know changing the terms a little bit it seems that life is a little bit different now after the flood and then um, that idea of demanding an account uh, is also I think really key um, that this idea of life is precious um, and life is something that God takes very seriously and especially the life of his people uh, and God is going to put, uh, he, he says he's going to demand a reckoning, but also the idea of putting in uh, safeguards to a degree to say that we're going to um, make sure that there is a reckoning for this. And I think that's really seen as really the establishment of, of government in as we think of government uh, in those verses there about um, whoever sheds the blood of man by man will his blood be shed type of thing. So And and right he's doing this as you know right after he's just wiped out all the life. Right. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> he, uh, exactly. We have all this death and then he says life is important mm-hmm. and 
lifeblood uh, deserves an accounting uh, should should life be taken mm-hmm. maybe uh, I'll uh, I'll ask you or Michael if he wants to jump in uh, this seems like the kind of thing that maybe like Reddit atheism would have a lot of fun with right yeah. this seems very contradictory yep. life says love is life is uh, important but he's just murdered I mm. did quote you say the quotation I marks. see the quotation marks yes um, I even did emotive quotation marks mm. He just murdered, you know, almost all of humanity. How do we, uh, how do we reconcile those things? I think maybe that's especially why God says now this is really important, right? Um, and I think again there that now life, life is especially precious because there is so so few of it or so little of it. So I'm not I don't exactly know what, you what mean. yeah, I feel like, but brother. there's there's. Uh, far fewer people than what there were just, you know, a year, a year ago, right? At that, at that point, go, as they go into the ark. Um, so how much more then is it important for God to step in and say, this is really a big deal. Life, life should be treasured. Life should be precious. Uh, it's not something that you should, um, easily throw away. It's not something that, um, anyone should seek to harm or take, uh, especially, um, lightly. So I think maybe it shows us, you know, that this is especially important at this moment, at this time, um, for God to to step in and say, "Hey, um, I got something to say about this that you really need to you really need to pay attention to," um, and you know, and and again, I think it also speaks to the life life on Earth is going to be a little bit different now after the flood. I mean, we're not going to have um, the long long lifespans that they did, you know, that, um, your days are more numbered. Yeah. yeah, Your days are more numbered. Um, your opportunity to reproduce presumably is going to be much, much more limited, you know, during those years. Um, again, we don't know exactly, you know, how behaving right now, Jason. Yeah. I I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But, but that idea of, you know, if you were able to have children for a few hundred years, even, um, before the flood, now you're talking about a few decades, right? So, um, yeah, it's life is going to be a bit different. Um, and coming out of this monumental event, there's probably even more reason for God to step in and say, you need to understand how serious I am about this. Yeah, and I think it, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it harkens back somewhat to Genesis 4 and what follows as well, Yeah, right? Where we see with the fall into sin, What's the next thing we, we find but the first homicide, mm-hmm. which I would note again, we solved. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in our true crime episode. Uh, but then after that first homicide, we see people boasting in murder mm-hmm. or boasting in disregard for life. And, uh, and so what God does in the flood is a judgment on disrespect for life. Right. Um, where life was being taken for granted or life was being treated as worthless if it was the life of another. And that's the cycle that, that leads up to the flood. We see the, the world becoming more and more violent. And as they now start anew, you know, God's reminding them, it seems. Remember what happened before uh, where, um, where life was not taken seriously uh, where life was not seen as sacred, and and maybe just maybe this is tied to uh, the righteousness of faith. That the righteousness of faith 
um, that clings to the Messiah who will come to redeem all, thus recognizes value in all, um, as well as as God harkens back to the image of God in which man has been made. And so a useful reminder, uh, perhaps, for us um, that it that it's very difficult uh, to be a believer. Uh, it's very difficult to to have faith and not at the same time then value life as gift because as we stress in the podcast, faith turns not only life but all things into gift as they're given back to us through faith. And, and so it is, it is only right that Noah and these eight who have been righteous through faith, who have held to God's promise of deliverance, should remember the value of life um, in this world, that now they're being told, multiply, let it teem with people. And when we were just in Rome, right, Jason, we know the temptation. I, I think it was with one day left. As we were walking down the road, we had walked a few times down by the Trevi Fountain. I think mm-hmm. we were looking for souvenirs, and, and it was just teeming with people. Yeah. And I just said, I, I miss the Midwest. Yep. Where everyone is like 20 feet apart. Yeah. Right? I, it, there gets to a point where when something's teeming with people, it gets really hard. Yep. To love them. They're just in yeah. your way, right? Yep. They're and, everywhere. And so God is reminding that we're going to, you guys are going to fill the earth again with people. Their life has value. Love them. Um, respect their their dignity. What a... What about all the flesh talk here? Um, it keeps referring to the things that are right all flesh. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe here is just an, a good spot to stop and and talk a little bit about some of the different ways that we can take flesh in the scriptures, right? Uh, flesh, as far as like the meat on my bones, and I'm Jason. You can hopefully attest. I'm touching the meat on my bones. Yep. Um, what meat am I touching right now? So they can see your your arm. My arm. Yes, I would say my my forearm, and then my bicep. Yes, yes. Uh, it's not that the, the meat on my flesh that I that I have um, a body is bad, right? Um, and here all flesh is, is being used for like all animals and, and everything that has bodies. Uh, but flesh can also be taken different ways as well. Um, and, and maybe there's no good answer here, but, but why all the flesh talk to you? Well, I think that... Why not everything that has the breath of life? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think that's a... That I mean, there. I think there are different ways that uh, this thought could be expressed, right? That, that you know, he's talked breath of life before, um, <clears throat> but... And he's just talked blood. And he's just talked blood. And even blood. the, the yeah. beast's life has value. You don't eat the blood. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there maybe is, again, this underscoring of, you know, the, the, the value of physical life, you know, that, and, and again, not just, I mean, people are set apart, of course, that there's, there's special care that God, um, and special safeguards that God puts in place for, for people. But, you know, to say that, all life, you know, all physical life is important, right? That 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 is not something that should be, again, quickly uh, dismissed, quickly discarded. 
Um, and I think maybe that, you know, I mean, you talk about other ways that flesh is used and I, and, you know, I mean, that can be, you know, sinful flesh and the, you know, the, that reminder of sin. And that, that all often comes up in Paul's letters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But and the works of the flesh are obvious yep. or carnal. Yes, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, not to say that that's necessarily the meaning that is being reached or that's being pointed to here, but it also maybe is one of those things that does, at least in the background, say uh, as a reminder, as as a thought that says, yeah, and there's a, there's a need for this because sin, sinful flesh is still very much a part of life in right. this world. Which is why he has to make this promise not to destroy the world in the same way Right. Because of it. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, he would just say, well, now you guys will behave. Yeah. You learned your lesson. Yep. Or look out because, yeah. yeah, round I, two's coming. I like your point, and I think it's it's probably, it makes sense that this is what Moses would be getting at, is God is reiterating again, he's not indifferent um, to the incarnational, uh, To the, he's not indifferent uh, to material things. And that's a temptation that we all, that both non-Christians and Christians can fall into often. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that in different ages. The God, he's mostly concerned with the the spiritual. The God is reiterating, like, look, I got super mad before, <clears throat> right? But a lot of that was for flesh stuff. Like, you weren't treating flesh with respect. Like, yep. this was, um, and I'm I'm not a God who is indifferent to the flesh now still, I, I'm, I preserved you because I care. I preserved these animals. I'm right. Giving you back this world because and, I do care about the mat- material, the physical, the corporeal. And the purpose of redeeming you, you know, to make sure that that, that, that promise endures so that that can be accomplished to redeem you in body flesh. and soul. Yeah. yeah. In flesh. Uh, if we, Michael, it sounds like you're having a day, so I'll just I'll throw it to you if you have any thoughts you want to share, but don't feel bad if you want us just to keep going. Um, maybe back to that original uh, question about, you know, trying to trying to negotiate how God can uh, kill and yet say don't kill, that kind of thing. Um, we need to think more about the sense of of justice, and I don't mean like social justice warrior today or a um, moral majority warrior from the 90s. I mean that true making it right, which is what God is going to do. It's it's not just a magic wand sort of thing. And like, hey, we're just going to forget like everything happened. Well, there has to be there has to be some sort of of justice. There must be blood, and of course, the picture is that he is going to provide the blood for this ultimate setting things right. He's setting things right in a broken world, so it's not a perfect heaven, but he's setting things right with the flood, right? And I, I think instead of saying, "Oh, this God is a capricious God and an angry God." Uh, which it's really tempting to say when everything counts, <clears throat> but you have to you have to say, put yourself into the position of the person who is suffering because of this nasty world. Um, and if you were honest with yourself, you would want vengeance, not justice, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, the other thing too is, vengeance is the Lord's, right? And so is justice, right? And 
this just gets played out in Luther's ethic too when he says it's always wrong for you to take any life ever, ever. <laughs> like he even mm. talks about like slaughtering a cow. Like, but wrong. don't mention that in modern Lutheranism because people will get <laughs> really mad as we yeah. just learned with right. the large catechism. Right. <laughs> but then he will say, but if your calling is to be a butcher, mm. then the, it's almost as if the ethical agent has got himself through the vocation. And I think that's a, a helpful way. I'm not saying it's a full-blown ethic without problems. But he didn't intend it to be a full-blown ethical system, right? So to be fair. But that's helpful to understand that God is the one who does these things uh, because he's God and you're not. And you're not. And we forget we forget that, right? That is the ultimate the ultimate sin, right? We forget that we are God and we, that we're not God and we want to play God. Uh, well, the ultimate sin and the first sin. Yeah, the first way, sin, yeah. right? Yeah, to self, right? To mm-hmm. justify yourself with this value, and yeah. so uh, is is a tricky situation, obviously, and and this is all academic, and it's something different when you when your kid has leukemia, yeah. Um, but yeah, I had to go there, right? Yeah. Um, I think too, maybe we can unpack a little bit there, and then I have a, a certain direction I want to take it. But um, Mike brings up an important distinction, the creator-creature distinction, and I think it's a distinction that we really struggle with um, in our day where ethics has largely become about personal identity and emotive um, rather than kind of, I mean, not that it was ideal in modernity where you had um, reason <laughs> and uh, uh, I would say some... Se- individual liberty but but some sort of kind of this like social contract we're in it together i mean kind of the the corrective for that is obviously christianity and i think the creator creature dynamic um in identity kind of ethics and and this is not i'm not just talking about here let me be perfectly clear i'm not just talking about people on the left Mm -hmm. um politically but my, I trump everything. I have a, a my next book I want to write is, I already have the title, it's You Are Who You Are Behind the Wheel. And I just want to <laughs> talk about how people become when they get into an automobile. <laughs> and you become the center of the universe, right? Everyone is in your way. Um, the other day I got out of class and I was getting ready to ride my bike home in on Wisconsin, one of our students, and God bless them but like pulls right in front of me, like maybe eight, nine feet in front of me <clears throat> to try to back into a spot in parallel park. <laughs> it would have maybe been half a second just for, to wait for me to, to pedal. And then she just gave this terribly embarrassed, like, what did I just do face? And, and I know she didn't mean to like try to kill me or force me out <clears throat> in the traffic where I could be maimed. But we kind of, <clears throat> we get behind the, the wheel and, and now... Everything is outside of our windshields, out of our windows, and we're, we're insulated. And I think that's, that's how we've become societally as far as how we, we see ourselves. It's very emotional, and, and this is why both the left and the right make emotional appeals more than anything now to people. Um, but I also don't want to stand under anything or with anything. 
And I think we see God as he reiterates this covenant, gives this covenant to Noah, which is for all people, not just for the Jews. Um, he's reiterating, I am under something. I am under God and I am accountable to him if I shed the blood right, of, of another. I am accountable. Um, I am to be fruitful and multiply. Why? Because I'm co-creature with my creator. Um, but that he sets the, the, um, the horizontal as well. I, I have to stand with my neighbor because we're mankind and, and the human race has been created in the image of God. And so I think that reiteration of creator-creature and that the creator cares, this is not just Noah, now you're on your own, I got you through this, go build a nice society, um, you know, as Michael talked about, do justice, mm. um, but there's... God is, is not withdrawing, if anything, he's doubling down on his involvement. Does that seem fair to say? Or So do you, is your uh, <clears throat> last chapter in your, your book, then Jesus take the wheel? Is that, is that I might play on that. The... I do have, I have the whole thing outlined. <laughs> like, oh, I really think is, I can play with this it. This is brilliant. I use this a lot. Like, self, And I'm going to talk about Christian formation. Self-justification. Self I mean, and, and not only that, but like the whole like, when you're driving, like all of all of human ethics could be through that lens. Like, mm, what yeah. is a true law if mm -hmm. it's not enforced? Yeah. What what obligation do you have? Yeah. And then, like, we tend to pick and choose our laws. We yes. get mad about the stuff we then right. do, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I, um, you know, one question you have to wrestle with before you take this is like, if you would get into a car accident with a bicyclist, is that you know, is that life as worthy as somebody who was <laughs> in another car? Because and, and you they, joke, though, but this is there are people who see these. Correct. I mean, there's tears. What kind of car are they in? Are they in a car? Are they pedestrian? Are they a bicyclist? I mean, isn't some of the responsibility on the person taking so much risks riding? In uh, a thousand-pound death machine. In a, yeah. In a, in, a little, in a little bike that has no, no padding at all. You know? But if you think about it, too, through the lens of self-justification, what, what was the brilliant move the automobile industry made? The car becomes an extension of you. Yeah, sure. And so we want to get a car that fits us. We 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 um, we we adapt ourselves to the vehicle and to the lifestyle yeah. that that vehicle is supposed <laughs> and, to mean. And then, but you actually don't know the person by that because, like, right? Uh, it's D all projection. David Foster Wallace makes that argument with the with the SUV, but also. An analogy I like to use about we don't have the full information is I'm driving down the car and somebody cuts me off and I'm angry and they get off in the same exit and I'm going they go in the same parking lot I am and mm. I'm I'm in, my milkshake at I'm gonna get I'm gonna this time I'm really gonna stand up for what is right or whatever and then the person gets out goes to the back seat and takes out their unconscious four year old and runs into the hospital you didn't have all the information and how wrong you were and you were trying to self there's a lot you could write. Yeah, you could write. Yep. This could be multiple volumes. I think. <laughs> I think in community, we're racing by things. We're further apart because we got one more lane. We'll fix everything. Yeah. So Jason can commute in from Maguanago <laughs> a little bit faster, hopefully. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Seventy-five thousand dollars SUV. Yeah. I assume that you have that because you live. Oh right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh -huh. uh, the hail interchange is ridiculous, by the way. But oh yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> by the way, also like <laughs> we got excited. All of a sudden. Certain. Certain. Um, this I'm is. I'm going to sign each of you a chapter now. One, one of these. Uh, I've talked about this. We haven't had a full blown discussion about this on the on the podcast, but I've made the case that rural white America has more in common uh, with 
urban black America than either either of them do with the suburbs or Manhattan. Right? Mm -hmm. And one of them is um, you do put more money into your vehicle rather than your, your home. Yep. Yeah. And why is that? Right? Why is that? Um, I think there's some some really fascinating things uh, from a sociology right. point of view. The wealthier we are, the less we walk. Yeah. Right? I'm gonna I'm gonna move less. We yeah. It, um, okay. So I'm gonna throw it to you guys. Give me a one minute answer. You can each or one. Um, why in your if you had to just briefly summarize to someone why the creator creature distinction matters. And and here we're coming at it from a Luther Lutheran perspective. This is very important for Luther. Um, why does it matter? What should we know about it? Well, maybe that's not the most important thing, but something that's very significant is if you have a creator-creation distinction, um, and I'm going to carry that out to monotheism, a god of order, rather than uh, gods everywhere in the, in, in the animals and stuff like that, you can actually do what we call modern science because you're going to expect to find order. And there you can open the book of Revelation and get into the mind of God. You can't get to Christianity, you can't get to grace, you can't get to love, but you can. I, I think that's an underrated uh, way of thinking in our modern American Christianity is is not talking about the book of Revelation or the book of nature uh, as one of the two books where God uh, speaks to us, completely different ways. But if you take out the creator-creation uh, uh, divide, our world is 100% different. Mm -hmm. 100% different. The way we think. And you ought to be an existentialist, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Mm. So, Not the main reason, but I think something that came to mind. Jason, anything? Yeah, to me, <clears throat> it uh, helps you find your proper place in your uh, existence. And I think the idea of um, understanding that I am creature uh, and that there is creator above, I would say that also rolls into the idea of preservation and um, uh, that whole idea of providence um, and recognizing that uh, God is God is the one who, uh, the, the creator, the, the provider, uh, is the one who is ultimately, in respons ultimately responsible for um, making sure that uh, his creatures continue to endure. Um, that takes a big weight off of my shoulders in the sense that I think I have to like literally save the planet, the universe, whatever, um, from whatever the danger of the day might be. Um, at, so I think it just helps to, to find your proper place and perspective on place in the universe and perspective on life yeah. when you know um, who you are versus the creator. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you right yep. rest. And there and there's no rest in right. life without that creator creature distinction. Um, no rest for the for the preacher either, because it is all on you now to try to persuade these people, to market them, to manipulate them, sure, um, into something that that God has promised Himself to do. Okay. I'm going to make a, there's a surprise thing I, ha I have planned for you guys. Okay, we're going to spend a few minutes, and this chapter now becomes a Monday Thursday episode. Uh. And here's, here's how I'm getting us there, and then I'm going to let you guys talk. So God is pretty clear here with Noah, right? And, uh, and he's going to talk here 
about something that I think fits very well uh, with Monday, Thursday. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood, and for your lifeblood I will require a reckoning from every beast I will require it and from man. And uh, so there's life in the blood. You shall not eat its life, its blood. And then we're going to go, we're going to skip a little bit ahead. Let's get in our time machine for a second. Okay, we're there. I didn't have a sound effect for that. I should have been better prepared. And now there's a Jewish rabbi in an upper room with a bunch of his Jewish students. And they eat kosher. Mm-hmm. They don't They don't eat nothing with blood in it. Never have. So far as they know, the students at least, never will. Um, they are followers of Yahweh, of Jehovah, who has said nothing with the blood because the life is in the blood. And the rabbi does this as they celebrate the Passover. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The uh, Take a few minutes. This is Holy Week. Um, in what sense can we talk about this being a Monday, Thursday, or a, a Holy Thursday text? I think uh, <clears throat> there's, you know, that picture from the Old Testament, you know, the idea that blood symbolized life, right? That that if... You well, s- is it even a picture or is it just a statement well, of fact? Right. Yeah. I, but, I mean, right, exactly. They see it, you know, because when you start seeing blood, life is draining away, right? And specifically, these animals are sacrificing and killing. Yeah. They're intentionally yep. draining. That's how you kill it. Yep, yeah. exactly. That would be, you know, um, you know, a... a uh, slaughter for the purpose of draining the draining yeah. the. I was blood just trying to keep you from going a little too eliosis there. We did go to Zurich and <laughs> we Jason did go got to very Zurich, yep. very excited about Zwingli. Yep, yep. There's we you know they we couldn't couldn't get inside because they were they were worshiping Thankfully. at the time and yeah, yeah. Otherwise, who knows what would have happened uh, at the Grossminster there. But um, <laughs> the that idea of you know life being associated with blood um, and then as part of that as part of that command which is not just here but repeated in the in the law of Moses and mm-hmm. and the like too that that yeah that that becomes a a repellent thing you know that you that you're not going to do that that's serious breach of you know and not just a, a don't do this sort of thing but this is like there's you know a uh, crime against nature almost mm-hmm. in this idea of wanting to consume the life force of of something, and like you said, that is a statement of fact in a lot of ways because, you know, uh, that blood carries life around the body, right? Um, if we were ever like in a situation where one of us had to eat the other, Jason, yeah, like uh, we got stranded, whatever, kind of Donner if, party. If situation. you died first, I would not kill you, but if you died first right. and I did decide, I would eat your blood <clears throat> so that you would live on with me. Gotcha. Is that nice? Yes. That's a friendship thing. Very nice, I think, <laughs> um, in a weird, creepy sort of way. But right, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So, but then that idea of, you know, you have, <laughs> you have these disciples um, with this rabbi in the upper room, and what a shocking thing that must have been. And I don't think we get right a sense at all for how shocking it would have been right. in our day. 
Yeah, exactly. How shocking that would have been. And yet, you know, how true that is, right? Because, um, you know, this rabbi uh, who also is creator, who is God, who has the power to actually bring about what he says, um, to then give that gift to them uh, is also not just giving his blood, but giving life in it, right? Um, and not just life for this day, for for this life, but life eternal. And not just life, like life force. Right. Like now I'm going to be a powerful warrior or a successful businessman. Right. But but life in, in, in paradise, like yeah. a paradise we lost, but in better. A, in its truest, fullest sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, you want to go Monday Thursday with us, or um, maybe just one thought? Like um, when we set the stage for Monday Thursday, and we actually understand what's going on there—the Passover, the liturgy, he's saying Testament—it just doesn't make sense to say, "Oh, this is a symbol," right? The context just does not, and this is adds one more wrinkle to that, like. What is he a shock jock? Oh. Yeah, you know, I mean, it just Jesus Stern, right? It just, and then if you, when you get to Paul, he he assumes that this is real. Like, don't eat this because this will do damage. You know, so I, I think when I teach the the Lord's Supper to our kids, who not not all of them are Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, or Lutheran, um, you know, you you kind of got to go slow and just say, okay, stop, think about this for a little bit. It, Look at the text. Look at the context. It doesn't make sense. And I, I get that it's a miracle, but that's sort of kind of the deal. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then go right back to like, if you don't believe Christ is God, right? Or if, if you believe that Christ is, is 100% human and, de- and 100% divine, then this is no problem. Right? Kind of well, and if, and if you're having trouble believing... Right. Leaving Monday Thursday, um, why don't yeah. you just wait till the just wait till Sunday, and you're really going to have a problem right. because or Christmas, yeah, for or that Christmas, matter. yep, or you know, I mean, yeah. So I get it, but uh, yeah. Anyway, that's the thought that popped in my mind when Jason was talking. And then I would I would say connected to that as well, um, what Jesus is foretelling on Monday Thursday, happening to him is the very thing that God is now stressing with Noah ought not happen. Uh, and that is that, that we should murder another, that we should shed another's blood. This is uh, the sort of injustice that marked the fallen sin when Genesis 4, that caused the flood to begin with, that God right away is saying, hey, you guys, none of this. And yet Jesus himself will endure that. And maybe... Uh, this Holy Week, if you're listening to this during Holy Week, do yourself um, a favor and just Google some of the, the famous crucifixion paintings and notice how many of them have. And there, there'll be someone who'll be like, oh, Gory. Yeah. You know what? Gory is cool. <laughs> I like it. You've, you've heard it here first. Make yes. A, make allegory cool again. <laughs> Normalize allegory. Is that what you're supposed to do? Normalize? Is that what we say now? Normalize it. and uh, But notice a number of them will have, out of Jesus' side, water and blood. And that water... Which testify. Yeah. Testify. And they, the water pours forth into the font where you are buried with Christ in baptism. And notice uh, 
maybe we're just being too Lutheran, but we've got downright sacramental about baptism already here in this flood account. Um, but now the blood that will flow down uh, either into the chalice or um, on the, uh, the heads of sinners, that this, this blood abounds for something. And Jesus did not shed symbolic blood. Um, he bled actual blood uh, for us that was given. And so uh, Monday, Thursday, Holy Thursday, whatever you want to call it, and every time you take the Lord's Supper, that very life, right, the, the lifeblood um, that brings with it then forgiveness and salvation is given uh, to you. I think sometimes, I, I remember once I got a little worked up in the parish and I had a sermon um, the liturgy isn't boring. You're boring. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is, Holy Week is, is kind of a way to step back, and we're doing many of the things we normally do, but a little bit different, and just remember why these things matter. Um, this is the very blood of God shed in utter injustice, but for you, for life. I wonder, it would be interesting, you know, um, and I don't, I don't just, to, just to ponder a bit more on the idea that, you know, is this, I mean, there's certainly a practical aspect of this command in Genesis not to eat the blood from a, from a practical, physical side of things, but, you know, from a spiritual reckoning of it, you know, the idea of, you know, reserving that for the very idea of bringing it to his, to the people those many, many years later. It's just, uh, that would be uh, something that, you know, I think would be kind of fun to chase down a little more. Yeah, um, and that this is, I think um, this also is just a further testimony to the divinity of Christ as well. That here he's, right, he's telling his apostles to do something that God has said not to do. And think about all the Sabbath controversies mm-hmm. that come up, and he says the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Um, here we have, again, a testimony um, to the divinity of Christ that God himself is now, he's doing something very new. This is a covenant God's making with Noah. It's a new covenant. And now we have a new covenant, and no man is in a situation to give a new covenant. Even Moses only gave a covenant right. from God, right? Moses is mediator. Um, so the, the, this is the God-man, Jesus Christ, who, who gives us this. We're um we're gonna have to save Noah getting drunk for next time. Um, but yeah. next time may be our last in this series. We're gonna make the goal for next time. Noah gets drunk. We'll talk about the fact that he had descendants, and then we're gonna do Tower of Babel. So I think, and then we'll pause the series there or or wrap it up. Because um, if we get into Abraham, we're gonna be in Abraham. Right, which which while. makes sense because that's the section of this is a section of Genesis that talks to all people. All people. Yeah. So if we're talking anthropology, this is yeah. for everybody, and then. Abraham, now we start narrowing it down. Yeah, so we'll make that our goal for next time. I mean, I could talk for an hour about Noah getting drunk, but mostly because I find it funny. Yeah. We, right, this old yep, man passing yep. out naked drunk. Um, so that's a teaser for what will be coming up. And that might be guest as well That for that discussion. Yeah, yeah we may yeah. have Dr. Brown with us if yeah. that works out well. So we will uh, wrap things up there. We wish all of you, if you're listening to this, hopefully I'll get it produced tonight. Uh, if you're listening to this during Holy Week, we wish you a, a blessed Holy Week. Um, and if ever there is a week that I pray drives home to you in preaching, 
in hymns, in liturgy, what we strive to be about as a podcast, that God has come into flesh and he has given himself for you to take all your sins and idols from you for your own good and in turn to give you back life, to give you the whole world as gift, to give you forgiveness, to give you identity, um, to give you justification so that you can stop frantically doing all the things for points or whatever else, um, but be at peace with God, um, love your neighbor, and live freely in grace. And so with that, I will simply say to you, make this a week to let the bird fly. Another round, another round, one more round won't get me down.